Hello, everyone, and we are live, episode 37 of the Fitness Business Growth Podcast. I'm here with Brent. How are you, mate? Hey, not too bad. How are you, man? Good. Thank you, mate. Thanks for coming on. I appreciate it. I've admired Brent's content for a long time. Brent is a sales coach helping fit pros close more deals at higher price, at prices. Today, we're going on the Brent Cromer journey and his advice for up-and-coming fit pros. Cue the intro. Welcome to the Fitness Business Growth Podcast, a podcast run by gym owners for gym owners. My name is Mitch, and along with Jamie, we are your hosts, and we will be discussing all the important things that you need to run a successful fitness business. From marketing, to lead generation, to sales, to retention, to staff, and much, much more. So if you are a fitness business owner, then this is for you. We hope you enjoy the following episode, and we will speak with you soon. And we're back, Brent. How is it in the US today? Hey, not too bad. That was a really cool intro. You got to connect me with your your editing team there. It's beautiful. Hey, believe it or not, I did it on camera myself. All right. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll have to hit you up after this. That's nice. Absolutely. Well, man, once again, I really do want to thank you for coming on. I do appreciate your time. The reason why this podcast exists, mate, I think to 2015, Jamie, on the journey that I've been on, what do I need to hear and who do I need to hear from? And mate, I consider you to be one of those people. I've really, really enjoyed your content since we connected on Facebook. I appreciate that, brother. Yeah, well, thank Brent, you for having me. I'm excited to uh, dig in and workshop some different sales uh, sales advice for the viewers here. Yeah, awesome, man. Well, I start the podcast with this exact question with everyone. If I met you at a party, mate, which is like we're kind of meeting now, and I said, what do you do? What is your response, mate? You know, it's, fu- it's funny you ask that because my girlfriend, Brooke, and I, we, we talk about this actually because I'm like, I don't know the best way to introduce myself. Uh, <laughs> with us traveling full-time, uh, we get asked all the time. Uh, I don't know if pickleball's made its way over to Australia yet, but it's uh, – Yeah. It's I've only it's- seen – I've seen it in UFC countdowns, mate. They rave about it to cut weight. Oh, dude. It's, it, it's, it's taken the world by storm here. So we play pickleball nightly. It's actually, I, I just got back a little while ago. And so I'm introducing myself to people every day. I'm like, I need a better one-liner for what <laughs> yeah. I do. So it's a brilliant question. Um, I basically just tell people I'm a business consultant. Uh, I scale fitness businesses. Yeah, and- cool, man. I'm pretty sure I'm a massive Shark Tank, Shark Tank fan. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure pickleball like, went on Shark Tank and got a deal on there originally. Did it really? To scale their sport league. Oh, it's it's... It's so addicting because it. we can dig into all that. I can talk about pickleball, but it's, it's just such a low threshold as far as skill goes to, to make an intro, like to make an entry into the sport. And then yeah. you ascend rather quickly, but then to like master, it takes a little while. I feel the like best. most sports, it's, it's not an easy entry. It's the best things in life, mate. Simple, mm-hmm. start, hard to master, which is like sales. That's it, man. There's, there's too many uh, consistencies between sales and, and pickleball. <laughs> well, mate, before our podcast, I learned more about you and your journey scaling your partner's Brooks Fitness Company. Mate, mm-hmm. can you run me through like how that happened? Like what you did, what you changed, and what you implemented, and your journey selling fitness programs before helping other fit pros do the same? Yeah, man. It's um, it's kind of a strange story as to how I got started. I feel like a lot of um, a lot of people got started because they were like just in the space. They were consuming a lot of things on YouTube. They were, you know, ClickFunnels fans. They were like, they love that digital marketing aspect. Um, when I got started, Jamie, I'm not kidding. I, I had no idea what a ClickFunnel was. 
I didn't know what I, someone said, dude, you should, you should do click funnels. I said, what is a click funnel? Right. I had no idea anything digital marketing. I had no idea that online space existed. Nothing. None of it was, was a thing for me. It's funny, mate, like successful business owners take the business route and digital marketers set up a Facebook ad in one day. Yeah. They launch a campaign and they fizzle fast, right? Yeah. So despite your marketing knowledge, despite your sales knowledge, good business fundamentals are absolutely critical. Yeah, that's a, that's a great point. So, I mean, speaking of that, so um, not to not to tell a long story long, so I'll keep it brief, but basically uh, my, my background is all healthcare. So I was an ICU nurse. Uh, I did everything trauma and neuro, so anything in the brain. Uh, that's, uh, I don't know how censored this is, but gunshot wounds, uh, MBAs, strokes, all the stuff that would uh, really bring harm to, to this half of your body, right, was, was everything that I would do. Um, popped around, I did some COVID nursing, scaled around, or scaled around. I, I guess you could say I scaled, uh, the income was crazy, but uh, popped around, met my partner, Brooke, uh, while I was doing travel nursing. I got an MBA in the meantime online uh, while I was doing that. So I have a business foundation um, that I spent way too much money on. And basically, uh, at that time, she got into fitness, contrary to what a lot of people think, um, 2020 was was the time to get a fitness business. Oh, man, COVID, hey? Well, well, yeah. if you, if, I, mean, I have two physical gyms, right? And we, went, we had the same thing. We went online like March 2020. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's, I mean, you timed it up well because I'm sure the physical space was, was difficult for you at the time. And, it, you know, it's funny. I always hear coaches, they say, you know, I survived COVID. And I'm like, you didn't survive COVID. You, I mean, you, not the physical space, but online coaches like were thriving when, when Brooke entered. So basically she entered the market. Um, she was doing okay. She spent five, six grand on a coach. It didn't really do anything. And I was like, why is he teaching you this and this? This doesn't. Can, can we know. back up for a second, mate? In sure. terms of COVID, I think it's a great lesson to learn. Like, no matter what is happening in the outside world, your external world, there mm -hmm. are always people that win. Yeah. And in our locations for our gyms, we were doing outdoor training at the time, mm -hmm. and we never had a better cost per lead, cost per acquisition. Because wow. we we're only gym owners in Newcastle running ads. It's an auction site. We we're mm -hmm. getting impressions for like five bucks to reach a thousand people. Wow. For anyone that knows, it's about 30 bucks in Australia at the moment. So it's a really good lesson to learn that no matter what happens externally, like mm -hmm. there's always someone that wins. That's a beautiful lesson because if you're solution oriented, when everybody else is running around and panicking, very similar to probably how a lot of the industry is right now. If you're solution oriented and you're looking for, uh, I don't know how, how big you guys are on like, you know, American football, but yeah. You know, I, I heard something in a book the other day. It says, does it make sense to avoid receivers that are covered or to look for receivers that are open? And I, I, I spent a lot of time thinking about that. And it's like, yeah, you shouldn't avoid specific things. You should look for opportunities. So just like you did there, um, it's everywhere. And you, your partner invested in a coach for 6K. Obviously, no names. What led to that decision? Did mm -hmm. she look at a few coaches? And ultimately, like, what? why did she pick that coach? And mm -hmm. then how did that how was that experience for you guys? Yeah. So when I was in nursing school, I was, I was good friends, um, with, with, uh, a girl named Alex. And so we, you know, we, we moved off after nursing school. We still talked a little bit on like, you know, in our group chat. And, uh, I knew she had actually quit nursing to become, uh, an online personal trainer. I was like, Oh, that's wild. Good. Good for you. Like, I, I don't really know if there's money in that, but good for you. Right. Never really asked. 
So when Brooke started her business, I was like, I think Alex is, is doing okay. Um, maybe just hit her up. I was like, hop on a call with my, my old college friend and, and just see if she's got any recommendations. And then Brooke sends me a, a link. I don't remember what the website was, but it was, it was a website, like a big website. And it was Alex was on the cover. It says how I made 400,000 uh, last year in online coaching. And I was like, pardon? <laughs> I was like, excuse me? It's amazing, mate. If you're not in the digital marketing world, you're not in the online world, that number seems impossible yeah. until you see it and you know it's true. And then your mind just yeah. completely oh, I was. world. That's all I could think about for days because I was I was still nursing at the time. And, you know, COVID nursing, we were making like 10K a week. Um, so like that was still pretty good. But I'm like, she's doing this. I'm busting my tail. I mean, this sucks. <laughs> and she's making as much money as I am coaching online. I was like, what is this all about? So anyway, uh, Brooke hired her first mentor. Um, from what I understand, she, she got the basics, um, but she didn't really, it's, it's not that his program is not good or bad, right? It's just that she didn't see results. And that, you know, that's the case with any program, good or bad. Some people just don't see results. Yeah. I love so, that, mate. I've, I've been in a few programs and whether they were great, bad, I got a result. I took a key piece of information yep. from each of them. And if I line up those pieces of information, they're all critical into exactly. getting me today. So many people are quick to bat out other people's mentorships when it is just, it is, it is ridiculous to think that you pay X amount to a mentor and you're guaranteed success. Yeah. It's, it's a, uh... It's a difficult thing to guarantee. And that's why I, I, I like to give business owners the benefit of the doubt because there, there are very few businesses, I think like, like very few that are genuinely just bad, like mm, yeah, genuinely yeah. just terrible. The owner has the intention to quadruple your revenue. Mm -hmm. I love Alex Samosi. He is a man, God among men, my hero, but that purple book has created some wild guarantees. Yeah. It's uh you know, I was, I was, that's, that's a whole separate topic. I was, I was really into that. And the more I dissected the book, the more I took notes, I don't know how I feel about it. Um, but that is a, a different topic. Um, but yeah, essentially she, she, she worked with this mentor, um, whether it was, it was her or the, the mentorship or whatever have it, she, she got off the ground, but she was maybe two, three K a month. Okay. She had systems. Um, but she wasn't really the client acquisition portion wasn't really moving. And at that time it was moving for a lot of other people. So, um, you know, she was, she was pretty upset. She was bummed out. Uh, she asked if she should reinvest into a new coach and, you know, uh, she, she gave the spouse objection. I was the, the spouse that she had to consult with. And I, I give two thumbs up. Like if, if you want to reinvest, if you have the courage to go for it, if it makes sense. That word courage is so important, right? Because it's one thing to invest in a coach, have a bad experience, because at that point, it's ignorance. You think all coaches work, but to fail and to have the courage to invest again, yep. to not give up and to persist is just truly, truly amazing. And you said something before, not all business owners are bad. I think if fitness business owners just continue down the path one step forward, you will get there eventually. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it, you only lose if you give up, right? That's what I tell myself. Uh, to this day, when things get tough, I, I tell Brooke that, I mean, as business owners, it's up and down, it ebbs and flows. Like you see the big fancy things. Yeah, we made a million bucks last year, but it, it's not like it doesn't cross my mind. <laughs> Some days when I wake up, I'm like, damn, like I, this is frustrating. Uh, and, yeah. you know, you only lose if you give up. So I'll tell, uh, I'll tell you a quick story, mate. Last night, yesterday was a public holiday in Australia and all of our Google integrations broke in Goha level. 
So we run effectively Gym Launch in Australia. So we had hundreds of bookings coming through yesterday and the bookings were going to different calendars. So Mm -hmm. myself and my head VA stayed up almost all night making sure those bookings ended up in the right calendars. So here I am smiling today, but as Brent said, shit (laughs) happens every single day. Every day. And if you go into it, uh, I know I'm getting off into the weeds here, but if you go into it with the wrong mindset, this is so important to me. Uh, Just waking up, crossing your fingers, hoping everything goes smoothly is is a losing model. I mean, you will be upset more times than you are not. Wake up expect there to be a, a load of shit that you have to shovel, right? And I know that's that might be graphic for, for people, but like it literally there's going to be problems every single day. And if you hope that there isn't, you're, you're just setting yourself up for a bad day. Yeah, I love that, mate. Like the more I get into business, the more I coach people, the more I've gone from all you need is leads and sales to you have to manage your expectations. And I don't mm. like the word mindset. I don't like, I do not like that word. Yeah. A mismanagement of expectations will lead to unhappiness. Yep. Yeah. I, I think I think you hit it right on the head. It's just that that expectation um, with anything, right? With anything, if you have specific ex- expectations for how your weekend's going to go, right, and then you're crushed when not everything went perfect. It, it's no matter what it is in life, but especially business, um, you, you have to just go into it expecting things to go wrong. That's what my business partner in real estate told me uh, two years ago. He's like, you just ha- you don't you hope for good days, right? Expect that things are going to go wrong, find the solution and you'll create a good day. And yeah. so that, that stuck with me for a long time. I think the issue is Brent, like you start a business, it goes off, everything's good. And then you mm-hmm. go into the valley of despair for about 12 months. Yeah. <laughs> no one sees you in the valley of despair. Then you pop yeah. back up, you click funnels award and it's you got lucky. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I know that all too well, my friend. So yeah, yeah Brooke, um, Brooke, Brooke had the courage to reinvest, more courage than I did at the time. I'd never invested in myself in that capacity if, I mean, college, right? But I don't really consider college like like investing in online mentorship, right? Although online mentorship tends to be a lot more profitable. Um, she, she asked if she should invest into another coach. I said, yes, we reviewed everything. She did. She was about 15K in the hole at this point, and she was making about two grand a month maybe. All right. uh, so yeah. not really livable. Um, livable with you know, with the help of a partner for sure. But uh, thankfully, you know, nursing and, and organ recovery, uh, all healthcare things that I was doing were, were doing well. So how I got into help her was basically, I thought I, I have a business degree. I have, you know, that foundation, I have that knowledge. I was like, I feel like maybe um, I, I, I have some, some baseline. And then working in nursing, I tell people about this a lot, uh, working in nursing, working in healthcare, you have to have a lot of very difficult conversations, right? Um, I ask my, my, uh, students this all the time. Like if you, if your best friend, Jamie, if you're at the bar and you know, I don't take it back a couple of years, right? You're at the bar, you're looking for, for women and your buddy has bad breath. Are you going to tell me he has bad breath? I hope yeah. so. Right. It's a good thing to do, but you don't want to have that conversation. So as with nursing, it's a little bit, you know, it's, it's uh, a little bit more serious, but like, you don't want to have these, these terrible conversations, but you, you have to, right. And yeah. so all through nursing, I had uh, a lot of end of life conversations all through organ recovery. I had a lot, I mean, exclusively daily end of life conversations with, with family. So I got really good at, at having like the hard talk. And no. talk about expectations, mate. You're delivering news of, hey, you haven't got long left to live. Mm. When your internet connection's down, there's worse things that are happening in the world. Oh, yes. Yes. Yeah. It's, uh, 
if you, if you want perspective and I, I, I'm, I'm happy that I have it at this point because I, I feel like I have a little bit of wisdom uh, in a short span working in organ recovery. Uh, yeah. Your, your problems aren't that bad, man. I mean, you, you see enough tragic, I mean, every single day, tragic instances where it's, you know, I don't, I don't know how graphic you want to be on here, but people 100% transparent, go, go for it. Well, I mean, it's, it's like children drowning. It's, it's, um, you know, teenagers getting in accidents or people just riding their bike, getting hit by drunk drivers. I mean, it's every single day there's some extreme tragedy and then you have to have these conversations. You, you know, after a while you get good at it. Yeah. Whenever my sales guys complain, mate, or they have a rough day of sale fails, no shows, Mitch's partner is a social worker in the hospital mm-hmm. and her job is to console parents sure. after their children die. Yeah, that's and tough. There's, there's people dying in Newcastle every single day, sudden infant death syndrome. Mm. And she is there for an hour consoling the parents is making sure they get the help that they need to go see the appropriate healthcare, yep. social workers, psychologists, whatever the case may be. If you threw your piles if you threw your problems in a pile with everyone else's problems, you take your pile problems back and run away every time, every single time. And so, ha- yeah, having that perspective, um, and it's hard not to have. It's hard to have that perspective if you've if you've not actually done it, because you know everybody's. I don't know how what the saying is over there, but like you know, growing up, you don't eat your food. Your, your parents are like, ah, oh, there's there's hungry children in Africa, right? Those problems yeah. don't they're not relevant to you because you've not experienced it. But uh, it like experiencing things like that does give you a lot of perspective, especially as a business owner. And I think seeking out like to really learn about the world and what's going on will give you perspective and give you a level of gratefulness that you should have every single day just from waking up. So my partner works at Newcastle courthouse. She is a register in the court and Mm -hmm. she is in the court when the judge reads out the crimes that were committed by X person against the victim. Mm. And these crimes are unspeakable, like unspeakable crimes. And once again, like we work online at home from the comfort of my own home. It's 9am Tuesday in Australia and I'm filming a podcast. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like life's good, everyone. And that, that's where um, I get myself in trouble with some of the, like the mindset gurus and, you know, the cold plunge Queens and stuff, because um, you know, like you can have a tough day. That's fine. Uh, but to let it completely derail you is, is wild to me because at the end of the day, like you said, we're just, we're, I'm, I'm, I mean, you can't see, but I'm in sweatpants, man. Like life's good. I just played three hours of pickleball. Like, yeah, life's not that bad. Uh, it's, it's really not. We're working from home and we're selling things online. It's, it's not that bad. You know, it's funny, mate, all these podcasts that are tactical sales, they end up being woo-woo mindset podcasts because yep. it's so important because if you are to be successful at marketing, successful at sales, there has to be a level of resiliency and mm-hmm. that resiliency should come through a perspective of like what you're going through isn't even difficult. Like yeah. the word resiliency shouldn't even be there. And it's just yep. like today sucked, but not yeah. as bad as it could have been. Well, <laughs> that's why, that's why, uh, Man, I, I love Australians because you guys are just like, you guys are just so real. There's just no BS. I mean, it's 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 uh, it's like a fact. Um, but I read a book. Uh, it's called the the subtle art of not giving a fuck. I don't know if you've read that. Yeah, Mark Manson. Yeah, so long ago I I, I I read it, but there was one part that stuck out to me in that book where he said in the 17, 1800s, like if you were working on a farm and you had a bad day. You just had a bad day and then you chalk it up as today sucked and then you wake up and hope the next day is better and that's it. But yeah. like now in this, in the 
age of the internet. It's like you had a bad day and then you get on TikTok and you're like, oh, they made a million bucks. Oh, they're a billionaire. Okay. All right. They had a record month and it's, it, it is tough. It can be. And then you take your magnesium concoction before bed. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, do a red, red light sauna and then cold plunge yeah. and then uh, yeah. yeah, breath work and then okay. bedtime. Let's get back on to coaching because we've gone really <laughs> <laughs> so your girlfriend's launched her business mba in business in australia that's a master's of a, a, a master's in business mm-hmm. and what happens next when you inject yourself into her business yeah this is this is where it all comes to fruition right so um brooks business still doing about two three k a month i think her best was like four but it was one step forward two steps back and i i know a lot of uh business owners can can relate to that it's like you have a good month followed by three people canceling and one person defaulting on payments and then you're right back at square one right so and that that's tough so what i did was i decided i was going to um take a course jeremy minor nepq my buddy yep. had actually bought the course um, like a year prior, never even opened it. So like it never started the timer. So I gave him half. I said, hey, hey let's split it. Um, I did his course for like, you know, 600 bucks or whatever it was. I paid him for his course on Jeremy Minor, uh, NEPQ. I went through that like three, four times, studied it like a maniac. Um, and then I took 8K. I invested into the 3.0. Okay. 3.0 I got within the community and at that point I was like all right well let me just try um well prior to that sorry I'm, my timeline's off um prior to that I told Brooke because she was crying after after losing a sale which is uh, not good to see your partner like just defeated right after they've been yeah. spending all this money and just not seeing the results right so I was like well I I have difficult conversations every day um let me see if it translates to, to fitness uh, hopped on 30 minutes in I sold a 12 month four thousand dollar deal First call ever, didn't know anything, nothing. I knew nothing and it worked just by asking good questions and being you know, sympathetic to her situation, connecting with her. Uh, but I didn't know anything about sales. So that's when I was like, well, if I can do this, why don't I actually get some sales you know, fundamentals? Mm. Uh, took Jeremy's course, started crushing it for Brooke, um, got a one-to-one mentorship from a meme challenge, which uh, which is funny. I was Can you we about. back up on there? So NEPQ3, that you're in a community with absolute, some of the best closers in the world. And then the one-on-one mentorship was literally spending time with Jeremy. So it wasn't with Jeremy. It was with Sean Ray, who was like the head of their recruiting at the time. So yeah, yeah it was... Um, Talk about networking and and in 3.0, I have friends to this day. It was two years ago. Friends to this day, I still hop on Zoom with and connect. Um, I just I networked like a maniac. Like anybody who would get on the role plays that was good, I was shooting them a DM. Hey, dude, you want to do some private role play? Anybody who is better than me, I would just reach out to them. And like lo and behold, we created a community, and we were role playing with. I mean. I'm from a town in Ohio with one stoplight. I didn't, I've never been out of the country. I've only, I had only been out of the state like once. So like the, the fact that I was role-playing with people in Australia and Dubai and, you know, Africa and all these different places, I was like, this is the craziest thing. But I was, you know, uh, up late, up early on these role plays with all these, this network of friends uh, just relentlessly for months and months. Um, so we, we all became pretty good. And I, I think everybody from that group actually has fared pretty well, uh, in mm. the business world. So with you jump on the first call and you sold the person four grand, 12 months, I kind of had a similar experience where I don't like the word naturally good at sales, but I just, mm-hmm. whether it's, I, I, I was selling people, 
but I didn't actually know why it worked. Sure. And then you go through the course, you meet mentors, you think, oh, so I was doing that on accident. Yes. <laughs> but yep. maybe I was doing it at the wrong time, right? Exactly. So that's really, really interesting. So you had the mentorship, you were role-playing. What was the biggest thing you took from that back into, into Brooks' business? Well, it's just the, the best thing that you can have as a, as a closer uh, for everyone out there, whoever wants to know the secret, it's just flow. That's all it is, is flow. And flow is, is a combination of a few things. Flow, it, it, to me, is a combination of cadence uh, and tonality. If you have good flow, think about Matthew McConaughey. He's got the best flow of anyone because he's just so smooth and he can transition really well within his process, you know, within anything, right? So if you have good flow, if your transitions are smooth, you can carry a conversation, you reduce or minimize the amount of awkward interactions, you're going to sell a lot of people. Even if you have minimal skills, even if you're not always asking the right questions, even if you're not hitting the best consequence questions or, or future pacing or any of that, if you have flow, you will be fairly decent at sales. So flow and cadence would keep it as a conversation, not a sales conversation. And that is the big difference. That is the, the difference, yes. Because if it sounds like a sales call, you're going to spike buyer resistance, right? That's Jeremy's thing. And uh, I heard this from another mentor, Michael Dunlevy. If you haven't seen or heard from him, he's Australian as well. He's just wonderful. Um, I always have to quote whoever I learn things from. I have to give everyone their, their, their props. But uh, he, he mentions like the moment that a prospect labels you in their mind as a salesperson, everything you do is justified in that exact way. Of course, they would say that they're a salesperson. There's a big filter. All exactly. of a sudden, you're the untrustworthy used car salesperson. Yep. Even if you have the best intentions in mind, that's how they yep. view you. And the fastest way to create that filter is to sound salesy, to sound scripted or to be choppy in your process. So can you give me an example of sounds salesy? Yeah, Jamie. So, well, my next question, you know, that's a big one. My next question. Oh, so you have a list of questions. Imagine if you're talking to your best friend, do you want to go to the pub? And my next question is, yes, exactly. Like, exactly. Like you're crazy. Yep. Or, you know, even little things like where it's like, hey, you know, at the beginning of this or, you know, at the end of this call, you can give me a yes, you can give me a no, but no, don't give me a maybe. Right. Like, would you go up to a girl at the bar and say, hey, I mean, would, would you use that, that phrase? That's crazy. That is the best example. That's the best analogy for that question I've ever heard. It's you wouldn't use it in real life scenarios. So if you use this on a sales call, you're you're doing things that are triggering, and they might not realize it right away. It's it's going to accumulate typically, but they're going to come to the conclusion that you have, um, maybe not their best interest in mind. And the moment that that happens, you're done. And it they they start to feel like this guy is setting me up for a logical trap. Yes. Yep. 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 They'll start to, like I said, they'll start to analyze everything that you say, everything that you ask, and they'll squint their eyes a little bit. Like, why are you asking that? Why do you care? Mm. Right. And you're done. I mean, you're done. You could, you could shut the call down. It doesn't matter how good you are at objection handling. In terms of giving people credit, like I've learned a ton from Matt Ryder. Obviously you've heard oh, yeah. of Matt Ryder. Um, there's a fitness sales tutorial on YouTube. It's a 27 minute call, 7,000 views. I probably watched it. Yeah, <laughs> I, I studied so much, Matt. It's unbelievable. Yeah, I'm 300 out of those 7,000 views. And <laughs> that, I used to listen to it before I go into like a, a high ticket sales close. Like that mm -hmm. 27 minutes was probably the most impactful thing that I've ever watched on yeah. sales. Mm -hmm. And there's certain like what 
what sparked your interest? Like why, why now? And mm-hmm. it's just actually amazing. Obviously going down the paid mentorship route is best, but there is so much amazing free content out there. Oh, if, yeah. you know, if you know what you're looking for. I thought that video, maybe that video was unlisted for a long time, I think, because I had to have that sent to me by someone specifically, but uh, maybe, maybe it is public. That video, I studied an unbelievable amount. So I, I might match you there on the 300, just me and you as all the views there. <laughs> Sorry, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah two, two fans, but yeah, Matt, Matt's, Matt's a genius. Um, I, everybody from that team's incredible. So and yeah. getting that, that mentorship from Sean, I mean, it, it took me from, decent i mean it it, i skipped the line i really did and that i will be forever grateful for that yeah i remember when i started doing high ticket selling i messaged the owner and he says why do you want this job so i think i'm pretty good at the sales but we'll see and (laughs) i read his script which i could be wrong but i believe it was written by matt heavily influenced by nepq yeah and i read this script and it was an absolute masterpiece nice and then everything clicked of like, oh, so I was doing that then but didn't realize that works here. Mm-hmm. Ask this question here. Like, why would you ask a trial close? Why would you pitch the price before? Why would you pitch the price before the actual pitch? And I went from unknown to being one of the best closers in Australia. And it's got, oh, wow. nothing, it's got nothing to do with me. It was like amazing marketing. And then this script, like it was just, and the mentorship mentor I had, uh, Andrew Poulton, was just, it like, it was the single biggest thing in my life that has led me to where I am today was wow. going through that sales course and having this script. I was going to say, give yourself some credit because you can give that script to uh, 10,000 people and they probably won't get the same results, right? Like scripts don't sell people. I'd, I'd love your opinion, mate. Like the reason why I saw this script for what it was is because I had prior experience selling like mm-hmm. an absolute bulldozer, just hammering over people. Yeah. And I saw it and I thought, I want to sell like that. Yeah. It's the, the thing with me is I don't know any different. I've not been, I mean, admittedly, I, I don't claim to be this, this guru that's been around the space for a super long time. I think uh, being fresh in the space with like a different perspective is kind of what allowed me to, to excel. Um, I've been in the space since 2020, like, I'm, like very, very green. You know, I wouldn't even be a senior guy on most sales teams yet. Like we've been able to create something special. And, um, you know, I, I think, I think it's a style. I think I was, I was, I was fortunate to come into a good style, but you have to think about it. Like, again, I'm giving too many sports references here, but like, like boxing, right? Like if you watch any Floyd Mayweather, he's not a super offensive boxer yet. He's the best boxer. I mean, I'm, I'm, I don't care to debate this at all with anyone. So don't come at me for, I don't care. Right. But he is, he is, um, you know, known as, as the best or one of the best boxers to ever live. And he's not a very offensive guy. Right. He just doesn't make mistakes. He doesn't make mistakes, but he, he, he guides the fight, but you wouldn't really know it. Right. Like he, he's, he's the one leading the dance but he doesn't look like he's doing a whole lot. He's just very defensive and just waits for a moment. And that's sales. Like you don't yeah. have to be in the offense of the entire time. You can kind of wait for your moment. And then the, like when it, when it presents, like you can hit that soft jab and then follow up with a few good ones. And that's sales. Yeah. It's a great analogy. One, because I like it too, because I'm a massive fight fan <laughs> yeah. and Floyd, he just draws out their attacks. He just sits that's back. It. It looks like he's doing nothing from rounds one, two, and three. And then all of a sudden he wins the next nine clearly. And so, Manny Pacquiao didn't know what the hell happened. 
Yeah. So, I mean, relate that to, to your sales process. Like it doesn't seem like you're doing anything super tactful until you draw that out and then you hit them with a consequence question out of nowhere. That's your right hook. And it's like you just waited and set yourself up for that the whole entire call. Like it, it, sales should not sound like a sales call. And because you haven't built any resistance, when you ask that consequent question, Brent's a real human being who's generally interested in my best interests and cares about my life, impact mm -hmm. positive, impact negatively. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So just wait for your moment. Don't be so high energy. I... <laughs> My, I think a lot of people were really thrown off when they when they sign up for our, our coaching because like I have clips in our course of me on like real sales calls, like doing every part of the script because I don't want people to ever think that I just like wrote this script and you know it was it was all theory. Um, so yeah. I still take like a couple sales calls a month to, even to this point just to sh like break down my calls to my to my team or to my clients. I, I love that so much, mate, because very, very few sales gurus put out live sales record, call recordings. Yeah. And going back to Matt Ryder, like you watch that clip of that fitness sales tutorial, no yeah. one on earth can question his authority. No, no, no. And then that's why I respect that so much. Yeah. So I don't want ever anyone to ever, and I always make, you know, poke fun, but I'm like, when's the last time your mentor actually ran this challenge or actually hopped on a sales call? Right. So that's why I, 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 I like to stay relevant in that capacity. And then I let my clients, I break down my own calls where I make mistakes on calls to my clients. And I tell them my thought process behind every question. Yeah. I break down our sales guys calls uh, live on my profile, uh, yeah. but just for you, mate, I'm going to flip out some of my own. All right. I want, I want to see it. Tag me in it so we can, uh, we can jam out on some call reviews there. The thing about listening back to calls, mate, whether you sell them or you don't, it is very hard to listen to. And I've never listened to one of my own calls where I think that was perfect. There is a mistake in every single call for me personally. Yeah. You got to listen at time and a half. <laughs> you got to, you got to uh, filter out some of that, but I can't, I can't listen to myself at, at one X speed. So I hope anybody who's listening here has got this at like three, three and a half X. I'm getting married in six weeks, mate, but I'm afraid my partner right. might, might, might not, might not say I do because I listen to call recordings in the car. <laughs> 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 that's that's going to be the thing that the, that does you end. Yeah. Her mom's going to stand up and object in the middle of the wedding. No more sale call recordings in the car, Jamie. I can't take this. <laughs> you put it yeah. in writing, Jamie. Well, well, mate, you've come a long way in such a short period of time. What is the push-pull method? Yeah, yeah. So that's uh, – it's – fitness is fitness is weird, right? I, I think sales in general, I, I I'm finding that our script is actually more applicable than I ever would have imagined outside of – fitness. Uh, so that's why we've actually expanded beyond just fitness to health coaches. That's, um, you know, I know we we're both saying it, but that is mindset coaches. That's behavioral health. Um, that is uh, lifestyle coaches. That's, that's all things that have to do with mind, body, health, anything, uh, because I find that it's, it's 100% universal in that aspect. Yeah. There's a problem they need to overcome. Mm -hmm. and you need to walk them through your push pull method to help them see the problem. Yep. And then understand that, hey, this is the bridge. This is the solution. Yep. And that's so powerful, man, because if you're selling someone, it's having a conversation. Mm -hmm. yep. It's having a conversation. Like it's not one script for one person. It is just a framework of like, this is how you draw things out of people. And mm -hmm. this is how you help them see the light. That's, I mean, that's just there. So in essence, and I'm happy to break it down, give examples, do all of that uh, for the push-pull process. But the push-pull process what it does is it, it assumes that people that are on a call with you have made 
fundamental mistakes leading up to that call around their health, nutrition, and fitness, right? It's a safe assumption because you're selling something health related and they saw an ad or reached out to a message that, that had them interested enough to get on a call with you, right? So it's a fairly safe assumption. And it, that the, the 0.1% that get on calls that have zero problems, it weeds them out immediately. I right. think salespeople, like people that don't understand sales, they think that salespeople are mind tricking people. They mm. booked a call. They're on the phone. They have a problem. They, they do. And the extent of that problem is probably, it's, it's like an iceberg, right? They, they know they have a symptom, which, uh, you know, we, we talk about this and I, I don't claim to have coined this entire concept, but it's like nursing, right? If somebody comes in with a fever, that's fine. You have a fever, but something is causing that fever. You, you're not just febrile for no reason. There is something, there is some type of infection going on somewhere in the body. Okay. So because you're tired, that is a symptom. Tired is a symptom of something else going on. Your cardiovascular health is, is terrible. Okay. So that's a deeper rooted issue. Let's talk about that. Right. So it, you have to kind of, and I know you know this, but for the viewers out there, you have to meet people where they're at. If they only know of the symptom, start with the symptom and slowly peel back the layers and uncover more of that, you know, that, that iceberg and allow more and more of it to surface as you go through the call so they can realize the extent. And it's so important because they say the symptom and you know the root cause and you being the fitness professional, you want to help them in the first 30 seconds. Yeah. Straight to the cause. They don't care about your solution. Yep. But as you said, mate, it's a beautiful way to say it. Like you need to pull back the layers until they see the root cause. Mm -hmm. They have to. They have to have the light bulb moment. They have to have that that moment where they're like, "Oh, wait a minute. Do you think this is going on?" It's like, mm, "This maybe. This Perhaps maybe. potentially." Yeah. yeah. Let, let's talk about it. Let's let's just explore. Maybe maybe it is going on. So, uh, the push pull process pushing. And polling, right? So if you think about us, Jamie, guys, if you can imagine me and Jamie here at a ballroom dance, right? Hands on each other's shoulders. There's a little bit of space in between us, right? The push-pull process is a dance. You're going through the, the sales process, and there's going to be moments where there's more space in between you two, okay? So sometimes that's by design. Sometimes that's not intentional, and you have to test and see kind of why there's space there, right? So poll, a poll question would be, I want to facilitate a moment where you can just be honest, right? If you, if you want to call it a quote unquote safe space, I want to create a, a space where you're comfortable and you trust me enough to, to share something that maybe you haven't shared for a long time. Okay. Can I give an example of a pull question, please? Yeah. So, okay. Jamie, how, how long did you say you've been struggling with this? Since before I was married. Before you were married, are we talking like high school or like a couple of years? Like what, what does that look like? Yeah. When I met my partner, probably about 20 years ago. 20 years. Jamie, that's, that's a long time, dude. So spending that 20 years, and then basically what I'm going to do is I'm going to draw this out with tone and cadence, spending that 20 years, like struggling, you know, to really have that confidence and to feel like yourself, like has that spilled over into to other aspects of your life? Yeah. Like I'm just not confident with my family. Like just, it's beautiful. How, how summer. That? Well, it's like summer in Australia and the kids want to go to the beach and I just like, mm -hmm want to take them because I love them, but I'm just sure every second I'm at that beach, I feel incredibly uncomfortable. Mm, uncomfortable. Like, like thoughts or like physically. I, I just, I, I get anxiety going there. Oh, wow. Okay. So you do feel like it is starting to spill over and in, into some other aspects of your life then. Yeah. 
So that would be a poll. And I would, I would continue if it felt appropriate to ask. And, and as far as like your marriage, do, do you find it kind of showing some symptoms within that as well or your job or, you know, your family, any, anything else? So like, if you give me the door, I'm going to explore. I think people may have missed it there, Brent, but you lowered your tone, you slowed down and mm -hmm. you seemed really concerned and mm -hmm. it was a concerned tone which draws that out, which I guess you would call, you would, you would reference your pull method. Yeah. So it's, and, and that's where I usually, like whenever I'm pulling is where I start to use my hands a little bit more. And I'm like, well, hold on. You mentioned that this has been going on 20 years. Yeah. I think it'd be really powerful, mate, if you ask that question the completely wrong way, just yeah. so fit pros can see the difference. Sure. So basically if I was just like, okay, Jamie, how long has this been going on? Because that, that is that, by the way, that can be a common question in a script. And a lot of people are probably hearing that like, oh, I asked that question. But here's, here's the difference. So if I were to ask that, okay, Jamie, how long has this been going on? 20 years. Whoa. Okay. Wow. Well, you know, as far as like a coach and have you like really thought about like, you know, or why is this important to you now then? Right. Or they're just going to go on to the next question. And that like the, that is an interview process you just took me through versus talking to a friend about a very vulnerable emotional moment I'm having in my life. And you said the exact same thing. It's actually amazing just how much flow, as you mentioned, cadence and tone yep. really, really matters. That's again, that's a, yeah, exactly. That it's that flow where you just kind of combine all the different aspects and just give a shit, like just care. Like yeah. Jamie just told me he's been struggling with this for 20 years. Like, do you not realize not do you not realize, but you have to realize like the weight of that. Like that is someone, that is a lifetime that Jamie mm -hmm. has spent struggling with X, Y, and Z. And I, I have to, if I brush past that, he'll continue to, like when you said 20 years, you didn't say it with a lot of conviction. Just like 20 years. Yeah, it's a, it's, a throw, it's a throwaway comment. It's a way that I protect myself from saying exactly. I've been overweight and embarrassed for 20 years. Brilliant way of, I, I couldn't have said it better. It's a, it's a way of uh, protecting yourself, right? So people will do that throughout calls. They'll be like, oh, you know, I just want to, I don't know, 100 pounds. You're like, you just said that like it was like just any old, you know, any old goal. Yeah, when you know that person wakes up every morning, I still give a shit made about results. I hate the mm -hmm. idea that people think I love sales. No, I love helping that person, as you said, have that aha moment like, fuck. Okay. Like, yep. I, ha I, I, is, I have to do something about this. Yep. My favorite way, Brent, to talk about cadence and flow and tone with my guys is with a trial close question. Mm -hmm. And at the end of our script, once we go through a pitch, so we tell like 28 gym memberships, for example. Mm -hmm. And it's like, you can say, do you, do you think this could like potentially get you to your goal? Or you can say, do you think this can get you to your goal? <laughs> yeah. Australians, man. Not that, I mean, your tonality is phenomenal. Australians in general, you guys, you, what, what it is that you do with your voice inflection is so good. I mean, seriously, yeah, I it is. I learned that from Andrew Poulton and it's like, yeah. just to like lower your tone to let something sink in. And then upwardsly inflect if you want yep. to question a questioning tone or to bring yep. out an objection. But that question followed with, did anything resonate or stand out with you? Or did so based on what you said, I fully understand that you, you want to train three days a week and eat food that you can enjoy with your family. But did anything did anything else resonate with you? Mm -hmm. And I think they are the two biggest examples for me personally that really yep. improved my tone. 
because that trial closed part of the call. Obviously, it's upstream, handle the objections, but sure. you can fix you can fix a lot of things in that trial close yeah. once you start loop, once you start looping people. Well, when you say trial close, what 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 is what does that mean for for you? Yeah, so a trial close for me would be like so. I've just pitched in the product. Mm-hmm. I got some reassurance they want what they want. I uh, mm-hmm. want what they have. And then when I trial close someone is I'm trying to bring out any potential objection okay. before I give them the cost. So for example, if I'm selling a 28-day gym challenge, does that, does that make sense? Yeah, it's great. However, week three of that 28 days, I'm going away on holidays. Can mm-hmm. I freeze and then come back after? And if I don't bring that out before the price, yes. that's, that's a logistical objection of why they might put it off. Yeah. Right. So I try and draw out. I try and draw out everything uh, before the price. And for me, the fit pros that I coach, that is the biggest thing they pitch. Price. Do you want to buy? Yeah. That's. <laughs> and, uh... Yeah, and I actually find like they're simple. Like most things that come up in trial closes, they're logistical objections. Like they actually exist in the real world. Mm-hmm. They matter. Like, hey, mm-hmm. like, yeah, that's fine. It sounds great. Is there a, is it? Can I potentially pay on Thursday? Yes, of course you can. <laughs> but like, people would be embarrassed to say that after the price. Yep. No, that's 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 exactly uh, what we do. We we do a twist on it when we we like to go for no a lot. Um, after mm-hmm. reading the book, uh, start with no by Jim Camp. It was it massively, massively inspired our sales process, uh, mm-hmm. and then a lot of mentorship with. Uh, with Michael, who who really subscribes to the 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 no oriented questions, but uh, so Michael's Australian, mate. I've never never heard of his name before. Yep, yep. So for for those listening, I always give Michael a lot of shout outs. Michael Dunlevy, D U N L E V Y. He actually has a sales coaching process um, for those outside of you know fitness and things like that. Cool. Very, I mean, very talented. Cool. I had a, a podcast with him that I did very early on. Don't judge my podcasting skills at that point, but that was uh, to this day. That podcast is five times bigger than my second biggest. Um, people love it. Uh, he's he's a genius. Um, so instead of not suggesting that either way is right or wrong, there are so many ways to close deals, guys. Um, we just going for no oriented questions really helps during that process. So it's like okay, now with the process that we laid out, Jamie, did you? I guess w- were there any red flags? You know, with the process that we that we talked about, anything yeah. that made you re- you know kind of feel like maybe this this isn't the pro- you know the right program for you. Mate, I loved no orientated questions. Yes. Uh, never split the difference. Oh, beautiful. Like Chris Moss awesome. is the most, literally the most impactful book I've read for sales. Yep, I've told before, but I think it's a great one. I tore my ACL. I was jumping on a plane going to Singapore, had oh, a crutch, wow. and logistically, I was at the front of the plane. So I would have to go to the back of the plane to use the bathroom. Oh, wow. And I said to the lovely host, I said, and the first class bathroom was in like a matter of meters. Yeah. And I said, excuse me. Like due to my knee, due to me having a crutch, would you be opposed yeah. to me using the first class bathroom? Yeah. And what type of person wouldn't say wouldn't say no right. in that scenario? Yes, I'm opposed, cripple. You know, get to the back. <laughs> yeah. What kind of person? So yeah, yeah we, we we like no oriented questions. Any reason you feel like maybe this process wouldn't work for you, like the way it is for everyone else, or that you wouldn't see the same results that other people are seeing. You know, a lot of no oriented questions. Was that confusing? No, mm. no oriented question. Like, it's such a great one. It was that confusing because confused yeah. people do not buy. Exactly. And if people are confused, they literally need to think about it. Yes, always. 
and most think about it objections are produced, right? Produced by by the salesperson. So no oriented questions. And people are probably wondering why, why do you want to get people to say no? And then I'll explain the the, the push part of the process so I don't leave the, the viewers hanging here. But uh, no oriented questions, what they do is they they allow some autonomy, right? Autonomy is the ability to make your own decision. Uh, so what it does is it allows autonomy at the end of a sales process where most people most salespeople don't feel comfortable allowing autonomy, right? It's like, again, I give a lot of relationship references. It's like the guy who's very self-conscious that doesn't let his partner go out and do things because he's self-conscious that she'll, you know, wander off elsewhere, right? So salespeople, if you, if you are very self-conscious about your process and you want to like hold them in tight and get them to the close as fast as possible, it's, it's because there's some insecurities in your process. I want clients to say no. I want them to feel like they have autonomy and that they have a voice and an opinion in this process, that it's not just one-sided. And so, so you're, you're comfortable drawing out a concern because you're, confident, yeah, because you're confident in your process that you can handle that concern with love, kindness, respect, and help that person mm -hmm. see, hey, it's probably not a concern. It's, it, it's that, and it's just that I don't, I just want to know the truth. That's all, that's all I care about, right? I want to know the truth because what I don't want is to, not, yeah, of course, I don't want to lose the sale, but I also don't want to lose the opportunity to help someone because of something so simple, like you said. Uh, I, you know, I couldn't get started. I don't get paid till Friday and I didn't want to say so. It's so, mm. it's so simple and a lot of sales are missed uh, because you just didn't get the real truth at the end of the yeah. call and that's sad. Yeah. And mate, I've had calls that I haven't closed and I, it's kept me up at night. Yeah. Yep. What did I say? What didn't I say? Did I ask a question the wrong way? Because mm -hmm. that person with 100 pounds to lose wakes up the next day with 100 pounds to lose. And not only are they, they're, not, they're probably in a worse place. Oh, yeah. They've, I, already, uh... they've already had that potentially embarrassing phone call. Like they don't want to go through that process again. No. And they, they probably won't. They'll avoid it even though, you know, sometimes it's, it's not you. It's just that they weren't ready. I, I tell two quotes, right? Um, one, we can only facilitate change. We can't force it, right? We, we, we just can't. And if they're not ready for it, then how can we facilitate it? So that's probably what happened on those calls. So don't beat yourself up. I tell people that all the time. Like some people just are not ready. And it's for reasons that are deeper than what we can uncover in 60 or 30 minutes. Yeah. Uh, the other one, I have a funny quote that I said to a client a long time ago. I closed the deal. Uh, it was not received particularly well. So the fact that I closed this for anything is, is great. Um, I'm not saying to use this on a call, but basically uh, it was that same situation. Somebody who had massive weight to lose, uh, extremely unhappy and depressed. And we got to the end and she wasn't willing to even get creative with the budget or to even look into different options. And so I, I told her, I was like, hey, listen, uh, you know, when we get off this call, Jamie, like nothing nothing changes for me. Like my life will go on exactly the way that it is. Right. But unfortunately the, the exact same thing is true for you. And I just didn't say anything there. So, but unfortunately the exact same thing is true for you. Your life will go on the exact same way that it has up to this point. Saying and I just that, saying what? that and sitting in silence would have been so difficult. Oh, I just sat and she received it and she was like, it hit and she was like frustrated for a minute. And then she like kind of let the weight of that settle. And we had a, like an, a, like a nice mature conversation and you know, she was willing to get creative at that point, but it was like, yeah. And to say that to someone you've had on the phone for 27 minutes, 
there is such a level of respect and rapport built because you haven't spent 27 minutes building buyer's resistance. Yeah. Take them down a path. It is so clear that you care about them. Mm-hmm. At that point, it is your moral obligation to have, have you said, have that hard conversation. Yep. And there's a difference between being nice and kind. Mm-hmm. If you're nice, you let your friend with a smelly breath go to the bar. Exactly. Kind, you will tell them, yep. and you're the uncomfortable person in the situation. That is being kind, and that is having the tough conversation at the end of the phone call. And even if she didn't sign up, what do you think she was going to think the next day when she's rolling out of bed, uncomfortable, knees hurt, you know, just look, every time she looks in the mirror, she's going to repeat that, that phrase. And not that I wanted to bring her, you know, emotional harm or anything like that, but it's like sometimes, whether it's with us or with anyone else, like I hope or would have hoped that she got the help, you know, that she needed. And if I was the, the asshole that had to do, you know, that had to say that to get her over that line, so be it. Um, but I may have saved a life in, in the process or at least some relationships and some, some heartache. You said something really important before. We can only facilitate change. We can't force it. Mm-hmm. And if you understand that, then your belief around sales should change because we're not being pushy. No. We're not tricking people. We're not getting one over on someone we sell them. We are generally helping them facilitate change and uncover a problem that that lady has probably had in her life for 20 years and it's impacting her ability to go to the beach with her kids. Yep. However, she just says 20 years, yep. 20 years. Just brush it off. Just 20 years. So it's, it's sad when you think about it. So there, there's a perfect segue into why we push people away, right? Why I want to create space. So if I just pulled you in, Jamie, that's the pull process. But now if I pull you in and I smother you, what happens? Yeah, yeah. That where you, when you gave her time to think, mm-hmm. it allowed her to sit with that thought. Mm-hmm. And quite often, salespeople, when they smother, they just yep, 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 yep. And with that too, like like a pull a pull question is again where we're we're, we're probing, we're getting the emotional consequence and then the the depth of their situation. We're allowing them to kind of say some things that maybe they haven't verbalized or expressed in a long time, and that's great. But if we keep that cadence and we keep pulling, 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 again, another relationship reference. If this guy is all over you at the bar, this guy you just met is just all over you, can't keep his hands off you. It's like, get, get away, dude, or this girl or whatever the situation is. It's like, I need some space. Well, and I guess if you pull, 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 you can make someone feel absolutely hopeless because they haven't done it for 20 years. When you want them to have some buying, which is going to result in them making an emotional decision, justifying with logic, less refunds and a better client. Yes, 100%. And so to avoid being that person that's smothering somebody, I want to create some space. And it's like that teeter-totter effect. So what I would do after a poll is there's always a push. Okay, Mm. great. Now that you've been vulnerable with me, that's great. Now I'm going to create a little bit of space because... Back to what I said earlier, there is a fundamentally flawed decision-making process for people who do not have, whether it be logistical or you know emotional, they, they have a flawed process that's led them to being on a call with you, right? That's led them to being overweight or unhappy. That's whether it's a flawed thinking process or eating process, whatever it is, okay? So those types of people don't necessarily have the intrinsic motivation to always take action. When I'm selling B2B, when I'm selling my program, 
um, or when my clothes are selling our program or whatever it is, B2B, you're speaking with someone who probably wants to take action because they're a business owner. B2C is not the same paradigm. These people yeah. have not taken action. So I have to get them to make micro commitments and take micro actions along the way if I'm going to expect a big decision at the end. Yeah. And when you're selling B2B, there's typically a tangible ROI involved. Yes. And at the end of the day, when we're selling fitness, we're selling hopes and dreams to a person that has had that hope for the last 20 years. It is incredibly rewarding to help that person see the mm -hmm. light. Yep. And so uh, a couple examples of, of like a push, right, is again, I, I gave that reference of you and I dancing. I want to create some space now. If I push you away, there is space between us. You have two options. You can stay there and it's awkward and the space remains between us or you can step back in. Okay, so you either stay put or you step back in. So I am testing the situation by giving a push. What are you going to do, Jamie? Because if I push you away and I say, well, you know, I don't know, Jamie, it just based on the conversation, I, I just don't get the impression that this is like a, a top priority for you at the moment. Mm. One, that's a no oriented question. And two, that's a push. No, it is a top priority. Why would you say that? Right. That's you filling the space. That's you coming back. You pushing me back. I want that. I yeah. want you to push me back. The best example I used for a push question, I got it from Matt Ryder and that great fitness sales tutorial video was like, so like you don't really have to do anything about it. Like you could just keep going down the same path. So why, why now? Yeah. And the girl gets visibly like well, visibly upset. Like I have to do it now. Like I have to, there's no other option. Mm -hmm. And when but someone says that, that is creating real urgency and not using an action taker discount. Yep. That's, I mean, that's, that's it to a T. So what you're doing is, uh, yeah, you, you're, you're, and en you're encouraging them to, there should be a fire. They should want change. So you're producing that. And if they stay out there, they stay at a distance and they don't push back at all. That's an issue. And mm -hmm. that, that requires further investigation because if you drag them through the, the, the call, you cannot expect them to magically sign up at the end. And if the one-off does happen and they do magically sign up, that is where your refund rate goes through the roof because people would have, will avoid conflict at all costs. So once again, like I love that. It's my favorite line of the podcast. We facilitate change. Mm -hmm. We don't force change. And if you do happen to force it, like good old-fashioned bulldozers, mm -hmm. it leads to a very short sales career, lots of refunds, and an unhappy coaching department when their clients aren't bought in. Yes. And you're going to have again, more compliant uh, clients and they're going to be happier. You're going to be happier. There's going to be alignment from the beginning. So I think that's, that's the most crucial aspect of that. So Brent, what is your num tough question? I know. What is your number one piece of advice for fit pros that want to go from closing an eight week challenge for two nine seven to a 12 week challenge for $3,000? My biggest piece of advice for that is, it's, it's not hard when you're selling a dream to sell low ticket, right? You can sell low ticket fairly simple just by making a big promise, okay? But you can get the most LTV out of a client. You can build the best relationship with a client and produce the best results with a client when you uncover the truth behind why they're in the position that they are. 
So if you don't just tackle the surface level thing, that's nice and easy, you know, the lowest hanging fruit. If you actually go beyond that, you will get people to pay more to stay with you for 12 months, which is the most common uh, program that we sell, 12 months. Uh, and that leads to more referrals, more re-signs, and again, a, like a massively higher LTV per client. So take your time and, and you know, do the research. I watched one of your videos the other day. It was great in regards to every fit pro thinks they need need, need more leads. And sometimes mm -hmm. that's true. Yes. Often they need a higher LTV. If you sell longer pro programs at higher prices, it makes less sales calls, less onboarding, less delivery, and a much more profitable company with happy customers oh, yes. against results. And that's the dream. That's the uh, last thing I'll, I'll leave you guys with. If you're selling short-term programs, you have to think how often you're turning your roster over, right? I just onboarded somebody into our, you know, our, our program the other day. He has a four-month program. I said, buddy, you're, you're turning your entire roster over every four months. All new faces, all new goals. Wouldn't it be easier to work with those same 50 people over the course of a year? Get yeah. to know them. Get referrals from them. And if your acquisition breaks for four months, your business is gone. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's <laughs> yeah. toast. I know we run late, mate. I really appreciate your time. I end this podcast with every question. What's one question that I should have asked you mm. that I didn't ask you? Um, hmm. Let me just... Uh, <laughs> what inspired me to hop on the call with you today? There we go. That's that's what, one I like to ask everyone. What inspired you to hop on the call with me today? Yeah. And, you know, what, what, what about my content? What about... Uh, you know, me reaching out to you, what, what inspired you to want to want to do a podcast with me? I truly have admiration and respect for people that have walked the walk. And for me, that's the highest level of a coach, someone who has been in the hot seat, that has heard those objections, that had those tough days, that had those good days. Because mm -hmm. only then, in my opinion, as a coach, you have the perspective to help other people overcome it mm -hmm. and brand you're just not one funnel away. It's the biggest lie told in the internet yeah. marketing world. It is. And to when you walk the walk, you realize that. Yeah. So, you, um, friend have done that. Yeah, I appreciate you, man. This has been a phenomenal uh, interview. If you ask that question, get some, get a little bit of market research in while you're while you're at it. Why not, right? I love asking people why why uh, they want to speak to me or, um, you know, what what to encourage them to to get on calls. So, could be a little market research for you. Really, really appreciate your time. Have a lovely, lovely day. Thanks for hopping on, mate. Jamie, take care, man.